0: Hey guys, and um, welcome to episode eight of Beginning Again with Leanna Tankersley. Um, today, I want to talk a bit about the idea of listening, which has become, um, it's become an important word and concept in my life over the last, uh, I would say, two years. And um, I think what happens <laughs> sometimes in life is is um, our solutions work really well. Our strategies, our ways of coping, um, they work really well until they don't. (laughs) Um, Have you ever experienced that? So all of a sudden, um, life takes a turn in which um, your ways of discerning and deciphering and moving about, they're just, they've run out. And um, you need practices that tap into something beyond you, and um, you need practices that will sustain you when you don't have the energy to sustain yourself. And listening became a practice for me that, while I've always known was important, um, has been, uh, I guess, just vital for me in the in the more recent season of life. So. Uh, I thought we'd talk about that a little bit today, and um, because this is a brand new season, yesterday was the um, first day of fall, um, I think that it might be interesting for us to think about, and we'll kind of come back to this at the end of the episode, but what would it look like for listening to be a posture that um, kind of marks our fall, that as we move into the holidays and things get increasingly demanding and chaotic and exciting and go, 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 what if we um, really fought to balance the inertia of the holiday season with um, with just a, a posture of listening and a posture of solitude and um, uh, slowing down and um, instead of constant output allowed for some uh, intentional input from God So I think in life we spend um, we spend a lot of time listening to the wrong voices and um, I, I say that because the voices in our lives that are the loudest, Um, just because they are the loudest does not mean that they deserve the amount of airtime that we give them, but we listen to them because they're the ones that are screaming in our ear. And so um, I guess I would call those like toxic voices, or I've referred to them in the past as soul bullies. Um, Those voices that maybe they come from within us, maybe they're old stories about us, maybe they're a family member's voice or a, um, a, a toxic partner from the past. And it's just this, these stories that, you know, are irrelevant, perhaps, or are at the very best, just unproductive. And we sit with them and we sit with them because, um, because they're comfortable, they, they, they are um, what we're used to hearing. And so uh, we give them airtime, We give them emotional energy when we we have so, you know, we have a finite amount of energy and we give our emotional energy away to the voices that are yelling the loudest in our ear. And, um, and they're diminishing a lot of the time and they're demanding, uh, they want our time and our energy when they don't necessarily deserve them or need them. And so, um, yeah, that, that time that we spend listening to the toxic voices is, um, it's not. It's not. Um, it's undeserved. So today we want to talk about what does it look like to listen to the right voices instead of spending our time listening to those voices that would prefer to diminish us, demand of us, and sideline us, and silence us, and make us small, and all those things. What would it be? What would it look like to um, to stop giving those voices so much time and turn our ear instead to the quieter calmer voice of God and also in doing that to tune our ear to that um, creative centered, grounded soul voice that's within us. I like to think of that um, that inner soul voice uh, as like the 80 year old version of me. You know, she's um, she's been through a lot of life. She's seen a lot of things. She's watched and, and been a part of a lot of different kinds of relationships. And she's at a point in her life where she has a sense of what really matters and what really doesn't. Um, I also think of her as someone who is very in touch with her own personal aesthetic, unapologetically, like, um, you know, she's sitting across from me in her her wildly bohemian and eclectic living room tasteful of course um she's got a giant flowing caftan on I don't know what it is with me and caftans but I just for some reason they like they are like the ultimate aesthetic to me she's sitting across from me in her caftan and she's she's probably got a very bold lip you know and some interesting frames on her glasses um Borderline, you know, I don't want to call them aggressive. These glasses, but they're definitely assertive. She's got like seventy-two turquoise rings on, and um, you know, maybe she's wearing some Birkenstocks. I don't know. Maybe she's in, uh, maybe she's in a heeled boot. It's hard to say. Um, but she's, um, she's that version of me that is um, creative, curious but very grounded. And I'm always longing for that version of myself uh, because she's in there, you know, but sometimes she's hard to get to. Um, and so anyway, the 80-year-old version of me is, is, knows who she is and really appreciates her own uniquenesses and her own contributions to the world. But she's also just not swayed about by quite as much And she's not certainly not worried about near as much. And so, um, you know, what would it be like to sit down and, and listen to that eight year old version of ourselves who has things to tell us just like a few episodes ago, we said that that nine year old version of ourselves, she has some things to tell us too. Um, but this 80 year old version, she, she has wisdom she wants to impart. And, um, you know, so what would it be like to listen to that, um, that 80-year-old version of yourself as a, as a way of accessing your own soul voice, this, this soulful, older, wiser, more grounded version of, of who you are today? Um, I remember uh, quite a few years ago, this is a story about listening, listening. <laughs> uh, quite a few years ago, I was at the park with, um, Luke and Lane and, um, they were young toddlers and I was playing with Luke and Lane was, uh, she was, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 feet away from us, not far, but a little bit removed from us. And I noticed in my periphery vision that, um, two young men walk up to her and, um, they're probably in their early twenties, and they um, get out their cell phones and they want to take pictures of her. And as I'm seeing these two young men approach her, I every radar inside of me is going off. My mother bear instincts, and not, she's not distressed from what I can see. Um, They're laughing and joking with her, but there is something inside of me that is immediately uncomfortable. And so I pick up Luke and we start walking over toward Lane. And as I get closer, I, I hear that that's what they want her to do. They want her to pose so that they can take her picture. And while nothing necessarily lewd was going on, I just didn't like the scene. I didn't like the vibe. I didn't like anything that was going on. And I wanted these guys to leave and I wanted them to leave her alone. And, um, as I started to open my mouth to say, please don't take her picture. The minute I was about to open my mouth, another voice inside of me squashes my instinct and says, there you go again, making a scene. This is so unnecessary. Uh, you're going to cause a big scene. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to embarrass Lane. It's unnecessary. Just, just be quiet and, you know, stop making such a big deal out of every last thing. And I pause for a split second, and I give air time to that voice, and I stop and I and I, I think about it for a second. Like, oh yeah, that is me, isn't it? Someone who um, can rush to conclusions, who can make a big scene unnecessarily, who gets emotional, quote unquote. But just as quickly as I paused and let myself be silenced in that moment, a deeper, more primal voice inside of me, something that came from my soul, welled up and um, kind of like a roar coming up and out of my mouth and said, no, no, you cannot talk to Lane, my daughter. No, you cannot talk to my daughter no, you cannot take her picture. Um, please leave us alone. Please go away. These guys looked at me like I was the world's biggest idiot. Um, they looked at me with such contempt and disgust. And, um, that was hard to tolerate, I guess, in the moment, because, you know, maybe I did get it wrong. But I promise you right now, what would have been harder to tolerate is putting my daughter in a compromising position and explaining it away because I was afraid of looking dumb or getting something wrong or making a scene. I walked away from that event. Uh, and I don't know if something like that's ever happened to you where you have an opportunity to speak up, especially on behalf of someone who maybe um, you need to speak up for. And uh, your instinct is to say something and to speak out. And then um, this voice that's not uh, helpful, that's not generative, jumps in to tell you about, you know, kind of what a mess, kind of how you always make a mess of things. And um, we need that deeper, more primal 80 year old voice to come back in and say no. No, this is the truth. This is worth risking embarrassment for. Um, and we need to tune our ear to that voice and listen. Get used to the sound of that voice so that we can speak out um, on behalf of those we love, on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of um, justice, on behalf of truth, on behalf of love, and... Um, so I guess the whole point is that we can um, we can spend a lot of time listening to the wrong voices. And what happens when we listen to the wrong voices is we either act too quickly because we haven't taken the time to truly discern, or we don't act quick enough because we're allowing the soul bullies to tell us um, every last thing about us that's not true. So we have this kind of um, really transcendent soul voice inside of us. I believe each one of us that is that true self. It is the voice of the true self. And, um, I think that we, we need to take the time to listen to him or to her. We can do that. Like I said, by sitting across the room from that 80 year old version of ourselves and saying, what is it that you have to say to me? Um, what would you do in this situation? What do you think? Is this worth my time? Is this not worth my time? But what I want to spend the rest of the time talking about is what it looks like to listen to um, God's voice. We can spend a lot of time listening to the soul bullies. Um, That's not going to get us anywhere. We neglect our own soul voice when we do that. And we also neglect God's voice. I think that one of the things that has sustained me in a very difficult season in my own life, this most recent season, is um, the time that I have spent listening. And when I get tangled and turned around, I can promise you that what I have neglected is my 10 or 15 minutes in the morning of sitting down and listening. Okay, so I want to talk about what that looks like. Um, In 1 Kings 19, which is um, a book in the Old Testament scriptures, there's a man named Elijah, and Elijah is told by an angel to go stand on a mountain at attention before God because God was going to pass by. It's very interesting. Go stand at attention because God's going to pass by. And it says that a hurricane wind ripped through the mountains, and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. My own personal practice of listening has been about quieting my life for long enough that I might be able to hear the gentle and quiet whisper. Life is the hurricane. Life is the tornado. Life is the fire. Life is the earthquake. And we must find a way to um, position ourselves so that we can hear The gentle and quiet whisper. That is what's going to guide us forward. That is what's going to help us begin again. And we need it. We don't have the capacity to face so much of these things that life brings us on our own. And we've talked so much about that. And this practice of listening can give us resources that we don't have within ourselves, resources to help us step into the next new moment, to face the challenge, to increase our faith so that we have resources to deal with what today is going to bring us. Um, And like I said, when I get turned around and tangled up, um, when I lose my way, it is so often because I've neglected this practice. And when I return to it, When I begin again with God, when I begin again with my practice of listening, all it takes is 10 or 15 minutes, and I am recalibrated to what's important, to who I am, and to who God is. That is why this practice is so essential. So um, the poet Rilke talks about uh, waiting for faraway things. He talks about being a writer, being a poet, and um, how so much of his job is sitting at a table and waiting for the faraway thing to come and how frustrating that is. And I feel like that's a great example of um, sometimes how it feels to, to walk uh, the spiritual journey, that we're waiting for faraway things. You know, we can open a book we can listen to a podcast, we can, we can search the internet, we can get information as quick as anything these days. If you want to solve a problem and you want some information or a strategy to fix something in your life, it is not difficult to get 10 steps on how to do that in, in, in like one second. But this practice of listening says it's not actually about how much information you can consume, what kind of a plan you can hatch, or what kind of a strategy is foolproof in this situation. It's waiting for a faraway thing, which is the touch and breath of God himself. It is an answer. It is a next step. It is an inner peace the voice and touch of God himself. Something that information cannot give us alone is the breath and touch of God, the living word in our lives. But again, and I'm just, I know I'm, I'm rehearsing this, but we have to put ourselves in a posture to receive it. We have to quiet the soul bullies. We have to quiet the noise and chaos of our lives long enough to sit still and open our hands and open our hearts to that touch, to that living word. So um, yes, waiting for faraway things, it's inefficient. I got it. No kidding. There are far more efficient ways to move on, but um, they will not deliver in the ways that our um, quiet patients at the table every morning will. And I just promise you that. I promise you that. So what are some situations where listening might be helpful? The kind of listening we're talking about, where we're we're sitting and we're listening to our own soul voice, or we're listening to the voice of God. if you are in a season of discernment where you need to make a decision and you're trying to discern, and this can be any kind of decision, financial, with your children, housing, a move, work, any kind of decision, how to have a certain conversation, what kind of a, um, what kind of a uh, response you should give the person at work, anything where you need discernment, you need wisdom. Listening is, is indispensable. If you are in a season where you are incredibly busy, there are a lot of things pulling you in a lot of different directions. Our first instinct is to let this go, this stopping, this ritualizing of listening, because we don't have time. Um, And it feels like one more thing, or it feels like uh, it's not going to really work anyway, quote unquote. It's unproductive. These are the seasons when we need this practice more than any time. We sit down in the morning and we say, okay, I'm going to set my phone alarm for four minutes. I'm going to set my phone alarm for seven minutes. I'm going to set my phone alarm for 20 minutes. And I'm going to make a point to stop and to listen. Something has to work against the busyness and the fragmentation that life can often, uh, seasons of life can bring us. And the listening helps to reintegrate us when we feel fragmented. Uh, similarly, we talked in the last episode about when stress turns into distress, listening can be a reset one of those rituals that we use to reset so that when our we find that our normal kind of everyday stress, which is a part of life, becomes distress and our body is talking to us and our mood is not good and we're having trouble sleeping, we realize, okay, I've ventured now into the territory of distress and I need something to help reset me. Listening can be a way that we reset. Maybe you are in a toxic relationship and, um, that toxic person, uh, they are causing you to question everything. Is the sky blue? What is reality? When we are in relationships with people who are toxic, we get lost. We lose our way. We lose the plot. We get caught in a web and we don't know up from down. And we certainly no longer trust ourselves and our own perception of a situation. So if you are in a toxic relationship and you are listening to that toxic person and letting them call the shots, spend some time listening to another source and let that source be God, the voice of God, the gentle, quiet whisper of God. Take the things that you're hearing in this toxic relationship about yourself, about the world, and put them before God and say, is this right? Should, should, this, should these be the guiding principles in my life? Is this the wisdom I am to be listening to? Let him speak into that. Maybe you've just forgotten who you are. You know, there's seasons of life where huge, beautiful chunks of us just go dormant because of stress, because of um, responsibilities, because of loss, because of grief. And then there are those times where we're invited to wake those parts of us back up and we, are, we have that, that kind of momentary feeling of like, oh gosh, I feel like I've just lost myself or I feel like I'm losing myself. And listening can help us remember who we are. God, remind me who I am. Remind me who you created me to be. Remind me what you have placed in my hands that you want me to give to the world. Remind me of who I am. Who, how do you see me? who do you say I am? Listening can help us remember who we are. So those are just some situations. And there's, I mean, there's, they're endless. And you don't have to be in a situation, quote unquote, to decide that listening would be a worthwhile practice. It's a worthwhile practice no matter what's going on. But if you found yourself in any of those situations that I just mentioned, it's particularly important and it's it's not to be neglected. So what does it look like to sit down and actually listen? I've been kind of hinting at it, but let me just tell you like, Actually, literally, what my practice looks like at times. Um, And again, this is like do whatever you want to do, but I'll give you a starting point and then you can make it your own. What I do is I get up before my kids in the morning, and I am not a morning person, so this is a sacrifice. And um, the word listen means to honor, the etymology of the word means to honor. So, what we're doing when we're listening is we are choosing to honor this relationship that's important in our lives. So I get up before my kids wake up and I need to, I've noticed, I just... I venture into a difficult mood, let's just say, if I am like racing to keep up with the day from the start of my alarm. So this practice, doing it first thing in the morning, helps me feel like I'm actually ahead of the day and I'm not running after it. I'm able to actually respond to what's going on instead of just reacting to um, the next thing. So I get up a little bit early. I, um, I make the coffee or I have the coffee already going. And um, I sit down at the table. I have a, I have a kind of a small kitchen table, and I sit down at that table, and I usually light a candle. And I usually light a candle that I love, like a really nice, beautiful candle. And um, I have my coffee, and I have the candle. And I always have uh, like a composition book uh, going, and I get my, you know, a pen that I like. Sometimes I use a pencil, actually. Um, and I just sit, and I... um open that book to the next page. And often what I will put if at the top of the page is, especially if there's nothing else that I have pressing that I want to say to God, sometimes I'll have some things I want to say and I'll just start writing those. But if I don't have a place to start, here's where I always start. God, what do you want to say to me today? God, what do you want to say to me today? And, um, I, uh, I just write down what I hear. I write down, um, sometimes he's, he says, you know, it it begins with, remember that I love you go into your day with the knowledge that I love you. Just that can, um, reshape the trajectory of our day. Remembering that we're loved, hearing that we're loved, not just in theory, but from God's voice whispered in our ear. You're loved. You're treasured. You're a child of God. You're my daughter. Go into your day with that in your pocket. You know, I mean, that's a that's a different story than you know waking up thirty minutes late and rushing out the door and trying to um, deal with your life from a place of deficit. Sometimes I'll put this question at the top of my paper, and this is also um, just very poignant. All right, God, what do you want me to surrender to you today? So as I think about my day and I think about what's going on in my day and the particular stresses I may be feeling or carrying, from the moment I'm out of bed, I'm asking God, what is it in my day that needs to be surrendered to you? Is it this conversation I'm going to have at 2 p.m. that I'm already dreading? Do I need to surrender that to you? Is it the stress that I feel around all the papers I have to grade? Do I need to surrender that stress to you and say, God, you know, I I don't want my day to just be filled with stress. Help me to um, fulfill my responsibilities, but give me an ease around it. Uh, Perhaps I need to surrender um, a child that I'm worrying about. I send them off to school, but I'm wracked with worry about that. Are they okay? Are they making friends? Who are they sitting with at lunch? And those are fine things to be concerned about. Important, but am I holding that so tightly that it's, um, it's too heavy a burden for me to bear and I need to surrender that to God? And God will tell us, he'll point our hearts and our minds in the directions of the things we need to surrender. Maybe it's our finances and we're just, we're continually stressed and every morning God wants us to wake up. This is why listening is a begin again kind of ritual because it's never done. And it's always available. It's always possible. We get up and, and once again, God, I woke up this morning and I'm worried about the bottom line. I'm worried about the checking account. I'm worried about where the money's going to come for this particular bill. And he says, okay, surrender it to me. Give it to me. Write it down. And, um, and then he will often meet us in that. He will uh, will have something to say. He will remind us that if we need wisdom, all we have to do is ask. He will remind us that we bear his image, that we were made in his image. He will remind us that we are not disastrous failures. He will remind us that we're held. The whole story, beginning to end, is held. He's not surprised, he's not troubled. You know, oh my gosh, I love this. A couple episodes ago, I had a wonderful conversation with Emily Freeman. Some of you guys probably caught it. Something she she mentioned, this beautiful quote, and I actually had a, a dear friend of mine send it back to me. <laughs> she said, did you hear what Emily said in your podcast? It was so good, and it's this. I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong, unshakable kingdom of God. This kingdom is not in trouble and neither am I. That's a, um, that's a quote that Emily sometimes just reflects on. And I, that is so good. You know, I think God wants to remind us once in a while, Hey, 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 nobody's in trouble here. We're okay. I'm I'm not, the ship is not going down. Not quite yet. Anyway, I'm here. You live in the strong, unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither are you. Perspective, right? Is this what we call perspective? That we sit and we come to the table with a certain amount of rigidity and worry, and we stop and we breathe, and we leave the table with perspective because some truth has made its way into uh, the equation, And when there isn't any truth in the equation, there's a lot of scarcity. There's a lot of uh, worst case scenario. Maybe this is all just me. (laughs) So I, um, I write on my paper at the top, God, what do you want to say to me today? Or God, what do you want me to surrender to you today? And then I just listen and I record the dialogue that comes up. Sometimes I'll start, I'll say, God, I'm having trouble with this. I don't know what to do. I'll just launch right into it. But I write it out. And then I'll put in all caps, the words I hear from God. Now, there are days where this is not going to go well. That's just, that's just like obvious, right? So there's days where this is going to be, you're not going to hear anything, You're going to be super distracted. The dog is going to um, be barking the entire time. You're trying to do this, wanting you to take it out. Um, All you can think about is the stuff you've got to get at the grocery store. I mean, that's just, that's going to happen. So what I always do actually, and this is the truth. I put a corner, I I go to the top right corner of the page that I'm on and I put a box in that corner Mm -hmm. and I, I just put it there right when I sit down. And that box is going to contain anything that comes to mind that, isn't, that, that doesn't pertain to what I'm talking to God about. So, you know, it's going to happen that I'm like, oh, dang it, I've got to wash the cheer uniform. You know, it just goes in the box. Okay, it's fine. Get it down. Oh, I need dry shampoo. You know, okay, great. I always need dry shampoo. Put it in the box. Oh, I need to call the bank. Okay. And these things are going to come up. And it doesn't mean you're not doing it right. It doesn't mean that you're not focused enough. It doesn't mean that you're not spiritual enough. It's none of that. It just means that, you know, you got a lot going on. Great. Make yourself a box where you can put that, you can kind of download that stuff and save it for later so that it's out of your head. You're not having to hold it while you're trying to listen and you can always come back to it later. So, um, as I've said before, it's not going to go well some days. That's fine. Just put your butt in the chair, just put your butt in the chair and see what happens. Okay. Um, and set your phone alarm. And then turn it over so that you're not getting notifications and you're not getting distracted by social media and your email and all that. So set your alarm and then turn the phone over so it's not facing you and let it go. And I'm telling you, if you just write at the top of your paper, God, what do you want me to surrender to you today? And you set your alarm for four minutes and you write, I'm telling you it will be meaningful. It will. It'll be meaningful. And it'll be a way that you can step into your day in a posture of open hands and open heart instead of control and defensiveness, which will change everything. It will change everything. So I look forward to this time now like it's a steak dinner because it's a, because it's a spiritual steak dinner, you know? Maybe that's a weird metaphor, but it is. It's, it's like this is the nourishment that our souls need This is a sustenance our souls need, more than information. You can study your heart out. Go for it. Please do. But don't neglect these moments of listening. You can never replace um, transformation with information. Those are two different things. And transformation, as we heard from Rilke, is the waiting for faraway things. There's a mysterious component to it that we can't control. Come on, stop it. That's right. That's the magic of it. So this whole episode is about, um, first of all, what voices are you listening to? And um, let's think about that. And often the voices we need to be listening to are the quietest because they're waiting for our attention. They don't scream at us. They don't badger us. They don't bully us. They're waiting for our attention. So we turn our ear to God's voice. We tune our ear to that soul voice, that 8 year old woman or man that lives inside of us. And we spend time with those voices because they're nourishing, because they're generative, because um, they're full of wisdom. And we don't allow the toxic voices, which are the loudest, to be the ones that are always in control. As I started out the episode, I said that, you know, we're, we're embarking on a new season right now, of course, depending on when you're listening to this. But if you're listening to it as it released, we just turned over into fall. And fall, notoriously, is a, a full season with a lot of structure, a lot of demands, and, um, and, of course, the holiday bustle. For many of us, it's our favorite time of year, but it can rip right past us, and it can kind of consume us, honestly, um, and the expectations can become overwhelming, and we can lose our way so easily if we don't know how to stay grounded. And so, um, you know, maybe for the fall, maybe this time leading up to Advent, before Advent starts, or just, you know, through the month of October, maybe, maybe six weeks this fall, I don't know. What would it be like to enter into the practice of listening as a way to help yourself become a little more grounded as you move into a busy and fragmenting season? And um, could you commit to uh, doing the practice of 10 minutes a morning or something like that? you know, could you commit to that regularly? I am not a person who does these things where it's like, you need to do this every day for 35 days. And I, because I just can't, it's like, I don't have the mental health for that. So I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying regularly, what would it look like to regularly get up and set your phone alarm and start your day this way? and create a ritual out of it this fall as a way, like I said, to push back against, to reintegrate all these forces that want to fragment us this time of year. In the back of my new devotional, there are reflection prompts at the end of every entry. So if you want a variety of reflection prompts, there's a hundred of them there for you. You could tackle one a morning or you could do one a week. Um, But if you don't want that kind of variety, if you just want a simple beat Your simple beat every morning can be, God, what do you want to say to me today? Or God, what do you need me to surrender to you today? This can be done in the car. This can be done in the shower. This can be done while you're washing dishes. But there's something really especially honoring about sitting down with a paper and a pen and doing it that way, in my opinion. So find your favorite beverage, buy yourself a beautiful new journal, and um, commit, commit to some time listening, some time spent listening this fall as a way to integrate yourself as a way to um, receive God's wisdom, His holy touch in your life, and, and to just increase your capacity for joy and for love and for presence with the people in your life. Um, As you do this, as you sit and as you listen, here's what you will be reminded of over and over and over again. There is always a hand reaching towards you. There is always grace available. And there is always a chance to begin again. I hope you guys do this. I hope you um, make some time to listen. If you do, let me know. Let me know how it's been meaningful to you, and um, I'll be back in a week with another podcast.